Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sara Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host Sara Davison shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sara Davison. Back to the show. And today, my guest is Marcel Goodseer. Marcel specializes in trauma integration coaching. Most of his life has been defined by trauma. Going through his own complex trauma and learning how to process and integrate this into his own life is now why he helps other people. So I am super excited to welcome Marcel Goodseer to the show. Welcome, Marcel. Perfect. Thank you very much for having me, Sarah. Well, I am very excited about having you as my guest today. I don't think I've heard such a traumatic background story before. And I know that some of this is going to really resonate with my listeners. And we're going to be talking about trauma today. So Marcel, please do share your story with us so my listeners can really understand the journey that you've been on. Absolutely. <clears throat> I'd be happy to. I'm from South Africa. Um, I was born in 1980, right? So majority of my childhood, and my adolescence, I went through the back end of apartheid. So first and foremost, before we talk about anything else, I grew up in a paradigm of black and whites, right? Of completely bipolar. If you look like this and you're from here, you're one way. And if you look like this and you're from there, you're another way. So to put it mildly diplomatic, um, that from the very beginning put uh, a polarization in my thinking process and how I saw the world. Uh, putting that aside, uh, my father was an alcoholic. So from some of my first memories was of my dad's throwing my mother way across the room. Now, my dad at that stage was uh, six foot five, Basically, I'm 195. So if my dad stood in front of me, you wouldn't see me at all. Giant of a man. I'm, of course, having to bring it in as well. Like he suffers still continuously with some of his military trauma that he picked up. So we will go into this later, but there's always reasons for why we are as we are. Um, then going forward, um, multiple experiences. I will just quickly briefly point out. Um, I saw my father nearly being burnt alive. Um, because of an execution plan, black and white again, to do with apartheid. So luckily, you got out of that. I had a stroke when I was nine years old. Um, the reasons that my parents were given is because all of the internal pressure and responsibility that I assumed for the individuals in life around me, my body was not able to cope with the stress. Um, I woke up one morning and the left side of my body just completely wouldn't work. And I was this one habits this routine we had and uh, my mom would always wake us up our clothes would be laid out in the main bedroom on the bed with the heater and everything would be ready so i just remember sitting there and my brain gave all the instructions to my body but my left hands just wouldn't work and um, we can go into that later but if you want but i was in a hospital for about six months after that and um, then when i was 14 and the abuse from my father still continued. So I just 
I suppose I got the courage from somewhere or I'd maybe, I mean, in retrospect, I just grew up enough to decide this is it, you know, I've had enough. So I told my dad that I would wait until he falls asleep and I would kill him in his sleep if he ever lifts his hands towards my mother again. Um, as you can imagine, for a big grown man, that didn't go down too well. So we didn't speak as a result for nearly a year and a half, two years. Then when I was 17, my best friend, whom I grew up with, like my brother, um, he accidentally got shot and killed by his own brother, which was my first real experience with death and loss on that scale. And then I was a professional athlete throughout all of this still happening. And I was training for the to qualify for the 2000 Olympics in 400 meter hurdles. And then when I was 19, I got drunk and I passed out behind the steering wheel of a car. And from one moment to the next, the doctor told me I would never run again. And I said, this was my, my ultimate get out of this, excuse my French shit plan that was just destroyed completely. So I had to learn to walk again. And I was lying in bed for the best part of a year. Then an opportunity came up to go to Ireland. So I was also a musician to go and pursue music as a second plan, possibly. You know. um, I was in Ireland for maybe two weeks and I met my then partner. Now I have to stress as well, I was 20 at this stage of my life, right? And when we're at this stage, um, one of two things happened. Either we try and rebel against all the pressure we've experienced so far, or we try and please and appease those people we look up to. Now, for me, it was kind of, it was a one on both sides, right? So lovely meeting somebody and immediately in love and just amazing. But also I was in Ireland based on my parents give me this condition that, you know, Marcel, you spent three years in Ireland and you do everything you can in order to become successful as a musician. And if it doesn't work, you come back. All right, so of course, as a young adult, I did not have the authority or the self-knowledge or the self-belief or confidence to stand up against my parents. So that was a constant source of pressure. <clears throat> then I was in Ireland in this relationship for maybe less than a year. And then I found out I'm becoming a father. Right? And for me, it was, I had never thought about becoming a parent. And all of a sudden I was told you're becoming a parent, right? I still had all of these things behind me, all of these things in front of me. Consequently, one evening, and ironically enough, I found out afterwards the same night that my daughter was born, I tried to kill myself. This was the first time in my life where the pressure just became so overwhelming. Alcohol again, once involved. Um, I got through it, right, to say the least. Then we worked again on the relationship very much because things were very, I mean, and I, be, I want to be very careful with my words, you know, because having been through the journey that I have, I've come to understand very clearly that people have reasons for being the way they are. We might not always like it because we're still dealing with our own stuff, but the truth is there are reasons for absolutely everything, right? So nobody is to bless and nobody is to blame. As a consequence, me and my then partner, she was very explosive, like five foot nothing lightning. Uh, she was very physically abusive. 
up until that stage, um, it was the only person who'd ever actually physically uh, assaulted me, right? Ever, ever, um, ever. I mean, Marcel, I, I mean, this is such a, a roller coaster of a story, and oh my goodness, you know what yeah. you've been through. I can't even imagine. But when you just said, you know, there's always reasons and nobody's yeah. to blame. I was like, oh, hang on. <laughs> for me, obviously, yeah. I agree with you that everyone has their reasons for certain behaviours. But does that make that acceptable behaviour then? Because I, no. I don't see that as acceptable or it's not, not an excuse all. when you say no one's to blame. Well, they're still responsible for their actions. So just maybe define that for me. I was just a little bit like... <clears throat> Sarah, the clearest way to, to go into this, right, is... When the behavior and the trauma happens to us that end up defining us for who we are up until when we wake up and decide to do something about this, it usually happens when we don't have any control of our life, right? But as adults, we are always, always responsible for our own behavior, which means we are accountable and we're responsible for making whatever necessary changes, either forced by the outside or from an internal source deciding, listen, I don't want to be this person anymore. So when I say nobody is to bless, nobody is to blame, blaming elicits conflicts, all right? And blaming, particularly within the context of relationships, has an underlying factor of I have to be right in order for A, B, and C, which really at the end of the day comes down to for my version of events to be valid and true, I have to be right. The problem with that is if you look at the other side, it goes directly in conflict with the other person's version of themselves and their reality. So another way of looking at it is, okay, yes, you know, you've been through stuff. I don't have the space now to think about why you've done this. I will choose to kind of look at my parts. Is it healthy? Is it not healthy? Is it very unhealthy? In which case, you know, space is necessary completely. And during this space then, if you were a shithead, once again, excuse my French, you know, you are responsible for your actions. You are accountable for your actions, but I'm not going to decide to carry that with me in order to validate my reality. Okay, so I get it. So it's more about not putting your energy into blaming someone and being, you know, focusing on them, but taking responsibility for where you are. But still, it's not your fault. And it's not about accepting any blame for that, because I know a lot of my listeners will have been in abusive relationships, and they'll have been told it's their fault. So I think it's important to be clear that it's not their fault. Um, that this has happened to them. And, you know, I I hear what you're saying about conflict. (laughs) But also, you know, when you have been in an abusive relationship, you know, you're going to be justified in thinking that person is, you know, just having like thinking, wow, this is unacceptable. You're making me, you know, you've hurt me. You've done horrible things to me, maybe the children, all sorts of things. So that there is going to be some anger there. So to say, manage that is going to be a big thing, right? So obviously we don't want to go into conflict because it, especially with abusive people, that's going to inflame the situation, but you'll be justified to have those emotions and we want to deal with them rather than deny them or squash them, right? Well, so justification is a is one of those words that is literally being abused in the self-help kind of area. First of all, all emotions are valid. 
All right, internal conflict arises when our emotions are not being validated. So whatever it is we feel, not necessarily what we think, right? Whatever it is we feel is valid, okay? So just starting from that point itself, it already gives us enough space to go, okay, listen, this is what I feel. And in this particular environment, that's not being validated. Why is it not being validated? Where can I get this validated? And this is where self-knowledge is absolutely paramount because then we can actually look for external sources where we can go to, to, first of all, just put all of our cards and our feelings and emotions on the table. It is so valuable, right? To get that third party, non-attached point of view. It makes all the difference. The thing in abuse, and it certainly was in my case, right? I can't speak for everybody else, is the beginning stages of emotional abuse, which is classified as long-term developmental trauma, is it creates trauma bonding, okay? And in the process of it creating trauma bonding, it creates an unhealthy attachment, codependent attachment on the other individual, which means subconsciously, without us actually realizing how we see ourselves becomes attached to what the other person tells us how we are and what we should be. Okay, and this this becomes incredibly difficult then because by the time that our pain has become bigger than our fear of change, there's already so much damage done that is literally a metaphorical mountain we have to climb because we have to create now all of a sudden a brand new version of ourselves, right? When the previous version was based on all of these things that happened to us. So it's very complicated. Can you just give my listeners an example of trauma bonding? I know you sort of explained it, but can you sort of explain in like real life terms, maybe with you or someone you've worked with, just as it, just so we can really understand what that means? Absolutely, <clears throat> absolutely. So I can give you two examples, both for myself. So I'm fortunate enough to have basically seen both sides of the circle um, to do with good relationships, bad relationships. And my first relationship, as I said already, was a very challenging relationship the trauma bonding that i had in that particular situation was i attached myself image to this person needing to give me validation all right and as a consequence the picture she had of life and the picture she had of me actually had nothing to do with me the picture she had of me was how i would fit into the picture she wants her life to be so she didn't see me as a picture or an individual at all i was basically a part of her picture. Um, As a consequence of that, everything that I wanted for myself, I felt like I had to ask permission first. And then obviously, because of how she saw life, um, I never got back the answer that I needed at that time of my life to validate my own thoughts, feelings of how I want my life to be. So that's the first example. Why am I lucky? Lucky because my current partner, my current girlfriend, uh, we met 2016, 2017. So this is when I realized the other parts of the relationships. Okay. At the beginning, um, I was an alcoholic still when we met, which we'll get into a bit later. But when I met her, I realized that I would have to change my whole life and everything in it. 
because I could feel there was a connection. You know, there was something powerful and beyond my own um, ability of cognition to make sense of this right here and now, but I could feel there was something there. So I decided to try and not tell her. Well, I decided to not tell her that I was an alcoholic, that I was drinking, because at that stage, I was still kind of really not wanting to admit it. But the fact is, before I met her, I drank for 10 years every single day, at least two bottles of wine and a bottle of vodka. So I was drunk nearly for 10 years straight. So I didn't tell her. I tried for a year to stop by myself. I turned into an incredibly abusive partner, not physically, verbally. But as the process of this, and this is where the trauma bonding came in, because in the first relationship, <clears throat> I was in a situation where I needed someone else's permission to be myself. And in the second relationship, I turned into this, uh, there's no other way of putting this shithead, a really not nice person. I tried to enforce my own points of view in order to create this picture of what I thought was necessary. And um, this is also how I managed to completely change so much because she left me, right? Because of all of these things. And then I was left in a scenario where I just realized I don't want to be this person anymore. You know, and it took so much courage and bravery. And I, I still get emotional if I talk about it because now all of a sudden I was on the other side. You know, I was the bad person. And usually when we go through these experiences or we read about it, we read about it quite and quite from the victim side, you know, the person who was on the, on the receiving side. First I was on the receiving side and now I was on the giving out side. And fuck, to, to admit that was very, very difficult. But I decided it was necessary and that I don't want to be that person anymore. So I put all my cards on the table and this is when the real change in my life started. You had a real reason, a real motivation then to make some changes because you met someone you wanted to be with and who you were at that point wouldn't have worked with with her. So that was the motivation. Right. So I think, you know, when you're in such a dark place, there needs to be something quite significant to help you turn that around because you need that drive. Right. It it must you know, have to have come from something quite deep after 10 years of being drunk. Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad and anxious? If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as the Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, And you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again. You need that drive, right? It it must, you know, have to have come from something quite deep after 10 years of being drunk. It it did, I think. 
And this is when I kind of, this is when I really woke up to the idea that every person has a core, you know, plays very deep inside yourself that is truly you. Nothing else, no one else. This is the part of you, the part where you have free will to to really decide how do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? How do you want to create things? Um, it was the losing her because I really care and cared at that stage. But Sarah, what it really was is when I saw the, the hurts after I told her, listen, this was not you, this was me being drunk. When I saw the hurt that that caused, it just broke me. It completely broke me. And it shattered every single protective mechanism that I had built up you know, through this previous 20 years of my life. It just broke it. And at that moment, it didn't matter whether or not we are still together or anything. I just did not want to be responsible for causing this amount of pain in any other human being ever again. And that's what woke me up, the pain. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, it's an incredible story. And, you know, gosh, to have been through all that must have been so tough for you. And especially during your childhood. I mean, those things, you know, I mean, people often talk about, you know, childhood trauma and how that then impacts the rest of your life and I know people listening will have also gone through trauma with their breakup their divorce their relationships in in you know whilst they're an adult and then how that impacts as well and and we get to that point I mean there's a defining moment somewhere and I know I had it where it's like okay enough is enough I either drag this with me through every single event that's coming in my life so my life is not multicolor anymore it's just like gray and there's always going to be that cloud that's following me around. And I'm always going to have that feeling in the pit of my stomach. Or I step up. And for me, it came from anger. I'm like, no, I am so angry that I have enabled this situation to happen at, at other people. And that, you know, at other people for treating me this way. But also for me, because I should have known better. I, how did I let it get hit? And there was no going back from that point of that's it. I'm not tolerating this in my life anymore. So I think you do get to a point, don't you, where it builds up so much mm. and you're like, no. Then when you notice also, I think when I had my son, there was a whole, you know, I, I've got to protect him. This is something for me. I'm, I need to be the role model and step up and for him. So sometimes it is sometimes for other people and maybe not all for us, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a defining moment and people listening, if they haven't got to that moment yet, what's your advice, Marcel? Because sometimes it can seem like you're just powerless. And when you feel powerless, it's hard to get to the point where you start to make those changes. Oh my God, it's incredibly true. So the answer is in what you just said. All right. For you, it was uh, an emotion that caused action-driven behavior. All right. So for everybody, it's the same. It starts with an overpowering emotion. And that emotion causes one of two things, either forward behavior movement or backwards. This is how we're designed. All human beings work like this. This is what freeze, fight, flight, these emotions kind of originally kicks into. It's to, it's to protect us from something that hurts us. Right. The thing is, 
in order to create anything new or in order to get to the place where perspective teaches you, in order to get to the place where we can look back and say, oh my God, this is the reason it happened. In order to recultivate that idea of hope, we still need to move. Okay, into whatever direction. So whatever the motivating cause is, for you it was anger, for me it was really, really serious pain and heartbreak and disappointment in myself. But it still generated enough momentum in order to get me to move, right? And at this stage, it's really important to, to break loose from, for all you guys watching this now, to break loose from all of your... I should and I need to and I'm right and I'm wrong because the only thing really that matters in creating a new picture and the only thing that really matters in this process of creating new experience is doing, doing something, right? Doing something, move forward. As long as you stay in the same spot, everything around you will also stay exactly the same. But as long as you step into any direction irregardless of wrong and right there is change by definition yeah. if you change any action the corresponding reaction has to change and it really is as simple as that the problem is once we are swimming in the sea of overwhelming emotions and pain how are you supposed to know that you don't you know so I think, you know looking forward as well i'm thinking if i don't change if i stay as i am how does that impact not just me but other people around me yeah. or what my life's going to look like in like a year's time or five years time or 10 years time if I don't make any changes what what does that mean not just for me but for everyone else around me and mm. I think sometimes that can can be can be a, a motivating factor to get you to even start as you say to to make some of those small changes but yeah any move yeah yeah, and, and as you say, trying to get some momentum there. And, and asking for help, I guess, is, is a good way to you know go to somebody who is trauma-informed, who understands what yeah. you've been through. And obviously, like someone like you, who's, who's been through so much themselves. I always find that as a coach, we are much more empowering to our clients if we have walked in those shoes. And clearly, Marcel, you've walked in those shoes of trauma and, and having been through some horrific things and come out the other side. Um, and I think, you know, for people who are struggling with any kind of trauma, you know, going to someone who actually gets it, who has been through it, who is, you know, because actually that's how we turn our pain into power, right? How did that work for you? Is it, I know it worked for me going through a horrific divorce and going, right, screw you, watch this. It was my little mantra in my head. And it was like, right, I'm going to take this and help as many people as I can, which has been very exactly. healing for me. Has it worked that way for you? Well, before I kind of before I go into it, um, I would like to take this opportunity to say that I did look at your videos and I did read about your background and what you went through and where you are now is really also it's, it's a really testament, a beautiful testament of what we're capable of doing achieving and creating and also kudos absolutely and now you're helping other people as well so very 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 well you know um <clears throat> for me i realized when i couldn't find anybody to help me i had to help myself okay and it was the experience part because i went to psychologists like a therapist psychoanalysts coaches you name it 
right? I contacted them. The one thing that was, well, there were two things really that was limiting the progress. Um, number one, massively educated, right? A lifetime of book knowledge, case study knowledge, no experience. Okay, or not no experience, but very limited experience, which means majority of the cases, what happens in situations like this is, this is the process, I need to validate it. If you don't fit into the process, then what's wrong? <laughs> Am I doing something wrong? That was the one thing. The other thing was, um, it was very confined to preset systems. You know, all of the help that I searched for, um, everybody that I spoke to in that stage of my life were like, oh yeah, but tell me about the negative experience you went through. Tell me about your childhood. And of course, fucking hell, like, I went through so much. Which one do you want to hear? Um, the biggest problem I found with this was the time frame of the sessions. Um, conventionally, talk therapy sessions are designed to be one hour, okay, which means 15 minutes into it, somebody starts looking at their clock. So you just start to get access to these memories and then the time is finished. Now you're left with that information for a whole week. Next week, you need to start again. On top of that, conventional therapy is actually designed to only start making progress after 150 or 200 sessions. All right, this is how the structure of the therapy is actually designed. So it's, yeah, yeah. So it's designed as, a, as a, another production wheel to keep you there for long enough. But what happens in between all of these things? Sometimes people really need help right now. That's just the way it is. Sometimes the pain is so overwhelming, you need help right now. And this is one of the main things that I learned, which I apply now in my own work, because my sessions can be anything from three to five hours. You know, sometimes you're just there and, you know, the other day I had a six hour session because this is what was necessary. But the amount of progress that is made during this time is incredible, incredible. But the short answer is I couldn't find anyone to help me. So I, I helped myself. <laughs> and, and sometimes yeah. we have to do that. I mean, we all do, don't we? Whether there are people we all to do. help you or not, we yeah. have to step up and start helping ourselves, whether that is going exactly. to somebody to help you or saying, right, like when I went through my divorce, there wasn't anyone that I found that could help me with my specific situation. So mm. I thought, right, the only way to do this is to combine what I know from my coaching with my divorce experience and creating my own tools. Yeah. But, you know, that, that, I mean, we don't all have to do that because luckily there's people like you being through it and we can tap into that and say, like right, you. okay, how do we, how do we get through this? So Wow. I mean, it's such a such a powerful story for people listening and they're thinking, gosh, you know, I want to move forward. What is your advice? What are your top tips for moving through? I, mean, I know we talked about, you know, the first one of you know, getting that emotion so that yeah. you have that, you know, whatever it is for you to say, right, I need to change. And then what? Sorry, the very first thing is this is where I am. This is what's happening. What am I feeling? Okay, so our ability is, as sentient beings, okay, like call us meatbacks, right? <laughs> because this is the body that you're in, basically. But through 300,000 years of systematic conditioning, we've developed this idea to either be in the past or the, or the future, all right? To not be 
presence. The problem is um, these painful experiences happen in the present. And they happen now. So the very first mechanism that we try and get access to is to avoid it. So be conscious, actually sit down and trap those thoughts on paper. Make a list of all the things that you catch yourself doing in order to avoid not dealing with this. Because the sooner you do that, the faster it will give you this capacity to create more mental space. And this is where the magic happens. The whole problem is, once we get to situations like this, it's a whole mental construct that needs to be redesigned. Okay, so everything I saw my life to be, now all of a sudden you're telling me, what, we're not getting married? I didn't understand. So what about all the plans we made and everything like that? It's a whole picture of my reality that just now it doesn't exist anymore. And in order to process that and to, we call it go through it. I personally don't like that because it's really a recreation process. But in order to recreate then this new picture, we still need to process. Why did I have this picture in the first place? So the first step is be honest with yourself. This is what you're going through. Okay. Get a pen, get paper, write down all the things that comes up in your minds that you think I should, I need to. I have to, and then all of the avoidant mechanisms that you think. Every time you think of something, do you, like me, pick up a drink? Do you go to the gym? Do you go onto social media? Do you lie and vegetate in front of the television or in the computer? Write it down so that this information can look back at you. This is the first thing. The second thing, once you have this, is to look for someone outside of your normal circle, somebody you are not attached to, somebody who does not yet have a version of who you are, someone you haven't yet met, somebody who has been through maybe similar experiences, not very necessary, but someone you can talk to and just somebody who can listen to you, okay? Someone who's not going to say what you're thinking is wrong. What you're thinking is not valid. You're not supposed to think that. Because what I've seen both in my own life and through my clients, majority of the cases, just to get this information out in a safe environment where there's no resistance, where they have to justify it, is incredibly valuable. right? And by talking to our friends, our friends and family are wonderful. But majority of the cases, because they care, they will take our side. Okay, so there's no objectivity. It is a very biased, subjective point of view. And in some cases, it can actually cause damage because it puts more wood in the fire. You know, now you thought this guy was such a shithead. And after having the conversation with your sister, you think, oh, my God, this guy is horrible. I, how could I never have seen that? And so... Um, impartial, non-subjective advice uh, is really, really valuable as well. And then once you get to that stage, then finding someone, because the whole thing is you're not going to find from the very beginning somebody who is adequate, suitable, experienced enough, trained enough to actually help you. So it's actually a process. And this is what I said at the beginning. You make that decision to just take one step forward, 
and this is how you get access to possible more sources. And then another step, and this is how you get access to possible more sources. So it is a process. Just being aware of that is part of the progress. Then if you're lucky, you find somebody like yourself, Sarah, or somebody like me, somebody who can help you to put the whole picture into one picture, everything together, because this is what's necessary. If we only look at the one event, right? if we only look at this is how the relationship was, we never really explore where these behaviors and patterns come from, which means we deal with this, we go through it, we put it behind us, but because the source is still prominent subconsciously, it means we will still carry the same behavior forward into every relationship we go through. Big picture makes all the difference. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on that. I, I mean, it's great advice. And I, and I think, you know, being honest is also about getting clarity and being consciously aware because sometimes all these emotions are going on and you just feel crap or sad or overwhelmed, but we don't really know precisely what it is. And I think becoming consciously aware of these things and like you say, writing a list of those things and and then your coping mechanisms and really being conscious that I do do that when I feel this way. Actually, then, you know, when we're consciously aware and we shift from that unconscious baby to, to conscious, yeah. that's when we can take control of it. That's when we then can decide, well, I'm either going to continue doing that and I know I'm doing it or I'm going to change it. Or I'm going to swap yeah. it for something yeah. else, which then can help, as you say, take those one step at a time moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I love the idea of getting someone outside of your circle, because I think very often we go to the people we know they're obviously emotionally involved with the situation they can sometimes you know have their own anger towards it or their own judgment of it because of exactly. you know maybe it's personal to them as well exactly um and yeah that sort of independent help is is good so but for people listening who are going right where can i find marcel where can i get more information well, how can i connect with you marcel where do people go i uh, go to my website changesolutions.eu all of my contact details, uh, my YouTube details, my Facebook details, Instagram, all of my details are there. Just go to changesolutions.eu and you will find me. If you find yourself after this video, perhaps, or one evening, late night, or one morning, going through a tough time and you're looking for just you know, some information with regards to it, you can just put in my name, Marcel Kutsia, and then just the word trauma in YouTube. And you'll end up with my channel. Now, be aware, there's a very famous rugby player in South Africa as well called Marcel Kutsia. I'm not him, and he's not <laughs> me. <laughs> so Brilliant. put trauma next to it. Yeah. Okay, fabulous. Well, thank you so much, Marcel. I've got one last question for you that I ask all mm. my guests. Now, as you know, the podcast is Heartbreak to Happiness. Yes. I think happiness is essential to know what makes you happy. So Marcel, what makes you happy? What is happiness for you? Happiness, happiness. I spent such a long time asking that question. For me, there's two aspects to it. It's personal happiness within myself, right? And then in my relationship with my partner, my other half. So for me, um, it's disappearing in the mountains for a weekend by myself. Um, a situation where I don't have to talk at all i just stay quiet for a day or two or three and just use my senses 
Okay, this for me is happiness. Um, with my partner, with my girlfriends, uh, she loves the sea, the water. We live very close to the Mediterranean here. So swimming out and then just, you know, finding somewhere where we can stand and look at the ocean. And we're very lucky to have a massive mountain on that side to stand there and embrace each other and hold each other and not talk and just actually be solid, you know, and safe in the water. So those two things, as far as I figured it out. Now it's important. I also want to add that the second one I only figured out last year. All right. So happiness is not a what makes you happy ultimately. Happiness itself is a process. It's a continuous figuring it out. And what makes you happy right now might not be the same thing that will make you happy next year. So if you guys watching this, be aware of that. Even what makes us happy continues to change. And I think, you know, if you can notice when you feel happiness, even in the midst of tough times, there'll be little moments sometimes where you go, actually, you know what, in the, you know, it's like stopping to smell the roses, people say that, don't mm -hmm. they? And I think yeah. when you're going through trauma, sometimes that there's not many roses along the path, but when you do get one to stop and just notice gives you that little bit of hope, that little bit of, yeah. you know, strength that will give you a boost. So yes. Yes, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Marcel. You've been an amazing guest. I mean, I mean, it really blows my mind what you've been through. And I love your work. I love what you're doing and how you're using your trauma to, to help other people. So thank you for the work you do. And thank you for being a fabulous guest. By all means, like I said, thank you for having me. One last thing for you guys um, watching, right? When you do go to my website, um, there will be a page there where you can register. I'm releasing three books this year. Right, so all to do with my journey, then tools for going through these specific things. And then there's one very specific thing, um, one specific book that I'm writing about, um, who you think you are and how do you know? So just the question based on that, it's all to do with conditioning, socialization, culture, tradition, all these things. So, yeah. Oh, well, we will look out for that. Make sure you let us know when that's all out so we can grab okay. our copy. Thank you, Marcel. You've been Thank phenomenal. You Thanks for joining me. Look after yourself. Take care. That's it for today's episode. Do head on over to changesolutions.eu to find out all about Marcel and his upcoming books and projects and to get some coaching with him too. And I look forward to you joining me on my next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sara's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com where you can also get a copy of Sara's free gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.